0: Welcome to Biblical Tapestry podcast episode 15, 1 John 5, Evidence that Jesus is the Son of God. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. In this episode 15 in 1 John 5, we pick up from last episode and 1 John 5, verse 5. Today we look at how we can be certain that Jesus Christ is God's Son, providing wonderful hope and assurance for our lives. So turning to 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 5, Who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Jesus Christ, he is the one who came by water and blood, not by water only, but by water and by blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are in agreement. If we accept human testimony, God's testimony is greater, because it is God's testimony that he has given about his Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has this testimony within himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and his Son is, and His life is in his Son. The one who has a Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. In these scriptures, the term witness occurs nine times, maybe ten times, but is a form of the Greek word martis. John, by using this term nine times, is telling us there is more than enough evidence to prove that Jesus is the Son of God who provides eternal life to all who believe in him. Back to verse 5 and 6. Who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Jesus Christ he is the one who came by water and blood not by water only but by water and by blood and the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth you know last episode we looked at verse 5 and the promise of providing victory of getting victory through the belief in Jesus as the Son of God and now we are provided witnesses to that triumphant event in verse 6 the witness are water blood and the spirit well what does that mean unfortunately is somewhat obscure to us when it would have been very abundantly clear to John's readers of what he meant but there are three main interpretations one the water and blood refer to baptism water and the lord's supper blood this has some difficulties as the false teachers denied that jesus came in the flesh so this is meaningless to them. The other issue is that the Lord's Supper is a reoccurring event and not completed in the past history as the word came, as Christ came, illustrates. Well, we also know in the second interpretation, the water and blood are parallel to John chapter 19, verse 33. When they came to Jesus, they did not break his legs since they saw that he was already dead. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified, so that you also may believe. His testimony is true, and he knows he is telling the truth. For these things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. Also another scripture says, they will look at the one they pierced. Well, this was a direct testimony from John himself. He was there. He saw this. But this is also somewhat problematic as John speaks of blood and water in this verse. And it's in reverse order to what he's mentioned in John. So if this is the reference and the statement that Jesus came by water and blood is not correlated, they don't line up. Well, the third interpretation is that water and blood refer to specific points in Jesus earthly ministry being his baptism water and his crucifixion blood now this links well as Jesus came into power by the water of his baptism we see in Matthew chapter 3 verse 16 when Jesus was baptized he went up immediately from the water the heavens suddenly opened for for him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him, and a voice from heaven said, "This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased." And even more so, blood refers to Christ's crucifixion, because there was many things that took place that day. There was darkness across the land from noon to 3 pm. The curtain of the sanctuary in the temple was torn from top to bottom, impossible for a human to accomplish. But the veil was no longer necessary, as now, through Christ, we have direct access to our Creator. There was also a powerful earthquake. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 45, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani?" that is, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? When some of those standing... They heard this they said he's calling for Elijah immediately one of them ran and got a sponge filled it with sour wine put it on a stick and I offered him a drink but the rest said let's see if Elijah comes to save him but Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit suddenly the curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom the earthquake and the rocks were split there was something dramatic that took place on his crucifixion We also know that the tombs were open, as it is stated in Matthew, but this did not occur until after the resurrection, as Matthew describes it in chapter 27. But all of this fits the historical context of John's letter. The false teachers were denying the humanity of Jesus, so John now emphasizes the reality of the incarnation. Jesus was both God and man and experienced baptism and crucifixion. Christ reconciled the world to himself on that cross. God himself bore our sins for us so that we can be forgiven and experience the love of God. Christ's death on the cross was not an accident, it was not an act of martyrdom. It was divine, it was a saving substitution for sinners. We have the witness of Christ's baptism. The witness of his crucifixion and now also in verse 6 we have the witness of the Holy Spirit the Spirit now being referenced three times in these verses God gives his people the Spirit just for this purpose in John chapter 14 verse 15 if you love me you will keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever he is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. John 15, 26, when the counselor comes, the one I will send you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You also will testify because you have, seen, you have been with me from the beginning. John 16, verse 12. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. This is why I told you that He takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. So we have a threefold witness of the water, baptism, blood, the cross, and the Holy Spirit. And they're all in agreement, as we see now in verse 7. For there are three that testify the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are in agreement. And the water and blood are personified because of the witness of the Spirit of God. They all converge at the same point and establish the same truth that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 19.15, it says, One witness cannot establish any inquiry or iniquity or sin against a person, whatever that person has done, A fact must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses back to verse nine if we accept human testimony as described in Deuteronomy if we accept human testimony God's testimony is greater because it is God's testimony that he has given about his son the one who believes in the Son of God has this testimony within himself the one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given about his son. The greatest witness to Christ as the Son of God is God himself. God provided three divine witnesses and his testimony is even greater. It's superior in source, it's superior in status, it is superior in significance and a threefold testimony to Jesus being the Son of God. When someone believes in God's Son, that is the equivalent to accepting God's testimony about his Son. Notice in verse 10 that this testimony resides within the believer. Alfred Plummer states, The external witness faithfully accepted becomes internal certitude. The external witness faithfully accepted becomes internal certitude. A.F. Brooks states, There is no room for ignorance or misconception. To reject the witness is to deny the truthfulness of God. He has spoken and acted deliberately and with absolute clearness. The testimony has been born. The things were not done in a corner. The witness must therefore either be accepted or rejected. It cannot be ignored or explained away. Belief in the Father cannot be separated from the belief in the Son because the outcome is to make God out to be a liar because someone has not believed in God's testimony about his own Son. God's witness today is palpable about his Son. And it comes with a call to all to believe. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. The internal witness of God's spirit in our heart confirms our belief. We then can confidently tell anyone with conviction and passion, Jesus is the Son of God. All right, verse 11 through 13. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. The one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. The final witness is the witness of eternal life. Having the Son means having eternal life through his Son. You have the Son. You have life. This is God's testimony. This is God's gift. Not having the Son equals spiritual death. The Bible clearly teaches that you don't need to just hope you have eternal life or even just think you have eternal life. It says you know that you have eternal life when you know you have the Son of God, Jesus Christ, as your Savior. Daniel Aiken writes, The question whether we accept God's testimony or not is not a mere academic one. Our answer to it will determine whether or not we participate in eternal life. That's an important question to ask yourself today. Do you know Christ? Do you possess without a doubt the assurance of eternal life? Do you believe in the witness of superior testimonies? Today, choose life. Choose jesus i pray this podcast finds you well next episode 16 we continue in first john 5 about five truths god bless you and have a blessed day and a blessed christmas season as we celebrate christ's birth i pray that you have assurance from the witnesses provided by god that you are his child